0: Out of uh, you know the mid '80s, about there, you got into uh, production with uh, Jam and Lewis. And um, can you talk about that experience a little bit, and how you um, followed up with them after the time, and and you know some of your highlights there?
1: Yeah, you know, I, I when I quit the band, I just went home, and I didn't really know what I didn't have a plan. I just went home and, and started writing songs, and then had a four track. Recorder and uh, it's kind of the demo tool of the day, and, and I just wrote I just wrote a bunch of songs, and about nine months later, Terry called me and said, you know, we've got so much work going on here with these projects. Um, you, know, if you want to produce? We you don't. Have, we have more work than we can handle. I hadn't really thought about production or being a producer. I said, yeah, yeah why not? And so um, I started working with them. I worked with them for about a year and a half. And I think the first thing I produced and wrote was uh, Alexander O'Neill stuff. I did three songs on that record. And the last thing I did through them was uh, Janet Jackson, the Pleasure principle. Um,
0: what a monster that was.
1: Yeah was surprising i didn't i didn't even know it was going to be a single and all of a sudden they, i don't know how i found out about it but i didn't find out what the usual methods but and it was like i think the sixth single in too i i didn't give him a second thought to it after a while all these other huge songs come out all of a sudden they're releasing another one and that and like that sixth single right kind of if it's been getting any play it's probably played out already you know conventional thought you know, but it, it still went to number one so.
0: yeah I was a um, dj in the 80s and so i played the heck out of all that stuff and man that janet record just could never fail you know
1: yeah it was interesting because it was i don't you know when he first started working on it, it it was like oh janet you know and, oh yeah of course it's a jackson and, and jackson's and janet and but she hadn't had a big record yet. You know. and it's just interesting that as the record started being made, there just started to be these rumblings of, you know, this could be a big record. Well, oh, okay. You know, you never know. I mean, everything's going to be a big record by the record. Right? You know, there's a, everything's fake, right? Until it comes out and it isn't. I mean, you just never know. But then it was all MTV's on board. And, you know, it just, you could feel this momentum, just hearing bits off in the...
0: I Think what what have you done for me lately was the lead single I think but um, So What is it about jam and Lewis in your opinion that makes them so successful in what they do in their production and, and working with so many different artists
1: um, they complement each other very well. Um, they can play off each other's strengths and, um, boy, I mean, they've got, a, they obviously got a lot going for them, you know, I mean, they they, 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 all they wanted to do was make hit records, Jimmy in particular. That's all he's ever wanted to do you know, when you have a singular purpose like that. Much better shot at doing it, but it just just you know immensely talented I and mean, you know Jan used to be a DJ as well, so he, he was always real had his pulse on what was going on in this, this club world and the single world, and I think that probably helped him a lot. Um, but you know Terry, Terry was a great R lyric writer, and Jan was great with the music, and you know, there was overlap and all that. And you know, Terry was you know he was always kind of a businessman and. Uh, not to say Jam wasn't, but to my, you know, one guy tended to focus more on one thing than on the other one. But and I think Davis made a great team. They really, they really worked well with each other and, and worked,
0: played with each other's strengths really well. You know, when you when you listen to those records too, whether it's Jam and Lewis stuff or Janet or Alexander O'Neal or um, even Jesse Johnson's records in the uh, 80s and that Minneapolis sound we're just talking about. And, you know, you gave credit to Prince, um, but some of that credit, I think, also goes to you guys. Um, where, where does sort of the dividing line go from Prince's influence on that and what people like yourself and Jam and Lewis and Jesse added to that?
1: Boy, I don't know. That's a tough question because I think, uh, oh, that's because I, I think some of it was, very, you know, uh, kind of an extension of the time of Prince. Some of it veered completely in a different direction. So some of it was heavily influenced by that, by being by the, you know that whole era, and some of it wasn't. And I think it's hard to say where we come and we where our influences show up and that, that didn't come from him. But I, you know, yeah, I, I think it's it, it was certainly there. I'm probably not answering this to the audience. <laughs> 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 but I, but I, I, I do think it's a credit to, if I were to keep our own horns a little bit, a credit to the time that, that everybody in the band with the exception of Jerome, who's not a musician, has gone on to write and produce number one records of either of their own doing with Jesse or, or Morris or or to write or produce songs for other people that became hits. And everybody's had multiple hits. And I think that's pretty rare for so everyone. Yeah. To my horn for the band, I think that's, that's a, that doesn't happen too often, I mean. That really the entire band goes on to individually producing right hits to everybody to a bunch of other
0: people yeah I and mean, the most that obviously that's uh, really uncommon you know when you think about just the unconventionality if you will hopefully that's a word of you know how the time went about some of the things you know with the first record sort of being done by Prince and then kind of running with that to the extent that the time did to become such a proficient and great funk band in its own right and then sort of a supergroup in reverse, right? You know, the, the, the band was so good and not really that well-known, and then ultimately it's become a, a supergroup of sorts.
1: Yeah, you know, and I, I think it's... I think it's All of us individually just wanted to make more music. And we wanted that we're all writers. We wanted to produce music. We wanted to get it out there beyond what the time had done, beyond what Prince had done at the time. That's... I think all we were trying to do was just we really like this. We want to keep doing this. And we did and we, we all had some success doing
0: it. I want to mention I want to mention Monty uh for the folks uh, watching, a few of the other people you worked with because it's pretty impressive. Um Cheryl Lynn, Sherelle, Delma Houston, Howard Johnson, Patty Austin, um, Denise Williams, Gladys Knight, St. Paul Junior, Deja, just to name a few. Um, very impressive. Are there a couple other ones within that that maybe um pop in your head as something that was uh, a a really special experience or that you're exceptionally uh, extra proud of
1: oh there's a few i mean i made some great friends out of this i mean working with junior when we, we I, I, <laughs> I became very good friends and Britt jones with deja we became best buddies out of that home record we did together, we put our hard soul into it, you know, so re- some of the relationships I formed out of working with so many people have lasted all these years, and I'm real proud of that. We're really doing the music for the right reasons, we're not just going in and clapping a check and doing it, you know, we really wanted to make a good record as we could. Um, yeah, I can't think of everybody, I don't know, I forget how you mentioned, but I, um, yeah, I don't know.
0: So. <laughs> Were there any uh, uh, records in there that you thought, wow, this is going to be a big hit, but for whatever reason, it didn't really pan out?
1: I thought the Deja record might be bigger. We, we had a couple good singles on it, and I just thought the overall sales might be more. You know, but it did, it did respectively well, but I, I really thought that one might really go a like, big time. But, um, but you never know. you know. Is other... You just never know. I mean, I would have never guessed if you were here tonight by Alexander Neal, that it'd become a hit. And I just you don't I mean some people think hit hit, I'm gonna write a hit, I'm gonna write a hit. And I have a hard time thinking that. Like maybe in the back of your mind you're thinking, Yeah, I want to write a good song. I mean, that's all you're trying to do is write a good song. And when something does hit it, it's like wow, I actually that's did well. I mean it's Grateful for it, and it turns out years later, uh, Rihanna uses part of that song, and it becomes part of work. And so that it got a whole new life. You know, last two, two year, year and a half ago, I guess.
0: There was... had to have been a kick.
1: Oh yeah, it was number one in the pop charts for nine weeks. It's just phenomenal. I guess yeah, it's just like, huh? what? <laughs> okay. <laughs> So I'm um, grateful for Things happen. It's I'm just grateful for everything that's happened in musical life.
0: When you guys came back, reunited, everyone was super excited. You guys reunited in 1990, and you were in the film, also a Pandemonium album, and um, this album had uh, Jerk Out, and uh, that was the lead hit. And I actually have a little story for you about Jerk Out. Yeah. Um, a friend of mine's father was an extra in the video so i actually got to go down to the video shoot you guys did and i was on set and um i briefly met you i'm sure you don't remember but um i got to get everybody's signature on wow. the first record so and uh monty's is uh, right there so um that was a great thrill for me um What was it like to uh get back together and go through that whole thing? It was
1: exciting because it was it was now it was it was gonna be just a record, and then the record turned into a you know a whole movie thing and remember shooting that video that day because it was uh we had the skillet and and it was actually flames (laughs) around the skillet. So there was this huge skillet. I don't know, 10 feet by 10 feet. It looked like a giant skillet. And they were like, oh, yeah, you're going to be standing in there. And you're going to be like real flames coming out of it. You know. <laughs> wow. It was just kind of fun. We had a lot of fun with that one. <laughs> Luckily, nobody uh, got singed coats in the
0: process. Was not like the Pepsi commercial with Michael Jackson?
1: Yeah. yeah. Fortunately, we didn't have any mishaps with so, yeah. so you were there that day.
0: Yeah, yeah. I think that was in Hopkins, that was where they were. Well, I lived in Los Angeles and you guys were local for that. Yeah. Yeah. Oh. Interesting. Yeah, that was fun
1: to get back together. I mean, we, we thought, okay, now let's let's make another run at this. And we, that record is probably more conducive or was more conducive of all of us because we were all a lot more involved. We all did some writing and we, we went over to Paisley one night and, and Prince just said, hey, you know, take some songs, are you know, take the songs, do, do whatever you want with them, and we, we started pulling, where's Jerk Out, where's Chocolate, where's, you know, pull them up, we want them, and you know, some got, re- Jerk Out got rewritten a little, I the lyrics, and some of it was just, we just finished them up, yeah, and then some Jam and Loose wrote, it's a couple Jesse wrote, I wrote one of them, but that that felt nice because everybody was. was working.
0: Did you guys uh, perform much in support of that one?
1: No, unfortunately, it was another another thing of us falling apart again. I mean, we, there were all these plans. We did a bunch of TV shows. We did uh, uh what did we do?
0: City um, seven
1: Live and. Um, uh, a few other shows, I can't remember right up again. Um, Arsenio, I think we did. Uh, it's Night Show. I, this, this is all going to be a prelude to doing a bunch of touring, and, and it turned out I don't think Jan and Lewis wanted to tour, they had a bunch of projects they wanted to do, and it was kind of unbeknownst to us, but that was that. But we were kind of all in our separate ways again for
0: a while, so. So, and then you, um, what did you do uh, after that? Because I know shortly after, not too long later, you started touring with the time, but um, what kind of transpired for you in the early nineties?
1: Uh, what was I doing to me?
0: Yeah, musically.
1: Um, it was a period in the early nineties. I didn't do a whole lot. I kind of, I went fishing. fishing and I uh, went to some stuff and it was kind of a regrouping period for me not to be honest with you. you know, through some personal things and, and but i was always writing and i to doing music I, I was always writing i produced some local bands and um and morris called we had stopped touring at the time i think we'd gone to japan with just a couple of different guys without Karen, and jimmy and jesse and um and we didn't play for a while and then morris called one day and a couple, of years, couple three years later, and said. Uh, yeah, they want us to do a show in uh, L.A., a couple of shows at this supper club, and want to do it, and, yeah, sure, We should have and it was the, really the beginning of the new phase of, of, of I guess, like the touring version, as people call it, at the time, where we had you know some new guys come in, Ricky Smith and Corey Ruffin, and you now we've got uh, Jeff, Jeff McNeely and Tom Soskin, and it's kind of a new lineup for, Rid- you know, maybe anymore. So we've been doing that about 23 years 22 years now so. mm. amazing yeah in fact the last couple of years we did more one big the train keeps rolling, <laughs> how's, know, how's, keep rolling. How's, it,
0: how's it feel to do uh like the songs that were on the record you weren't on you know like the ice cream castle stuff does it they feel kind of weird to start playing that stuff no,
1: not really, not at all. I mean, it was—it's uh, all part of the whole feel, you know. It's—it's it's all part of—it's all part of it. So it's—it's it's, uh, not for me at all. Really.
0: Were you on this one? This one was uh, uh, came out two thousand four. I know it has live time songs on it, but it doesn't show the credits, so I didn't know if you were on it or not.
1: Yeah, is that—is that, is that uh, I think Morris did some live stuff on there, right?
0: Yeah, there's eight live tracks.
1: Yeah, we we played on that. We did all that at the the studio tracks. I didn't have anything to do with, but the live stuff is all of the touring band, basically. And I think that was done at uh, uh, some place in LA we played. I forget exactly where. House of Blues, I think in LA. So that's, that's what it was
0: 2011 you guys came back together again for condensate and um, first off i didn't even know that it was in the works really i mean it kind of surprised me a little bit in a great way and i think it's a tremendous record i love that record i mean it's really funky it's it's got everything it's got a lot of music it's got a lot of great music um how did that come together
1: it had started many years ago, and it's, we had started it really in the late '90s, I believe. And we started, with, when Terry used to live in Minnesota, we really, it was just me, Terry Morris, and Jerome, and Dean. We had started, <coughs> excuse me, recording some stuff, potentially for a good time record, and we recorded a bunch of stuff, really, got record with of stuff. And, yeah, didn't really want to be too involved. He was doing all this stuff. And I you didn't know really where Jesse was didn't want to be. So we were just kind of going ahead with it. And that was kind of the beginning of it. We did off and on. We recorded for years, I guess. And then it picked up steam uh, in the mid-2000s, I guess. six, seven, eight, eight. Nine. It came out in 11, right? 2011.
0: Yeah.
1: I think the two, three years before that, we started picking up a little steam. Got together more often, and Jam was involved, Jesse got involved, and it became actually a real thing. But by that time, we a whole new set of songs, we thought, basically, there's a whole other time, and we I mean, pretty much finished, it's not out yet, which I think is really good. Maybe it will see you in a light it or
0: and then there was a special version that came out too that had the documentary about the time. That was a very cool package. Um, I think maybe that video is on YouTube now, I'm not sure, but um, if anyone can track that down or find it on YouTube, I highly recommend uh, seeing that as well.
1: Yeah, it was part of the whole thing we did with Best Buy and part of the, the, the CD and the DVD of the, of the story anyway
0: so what happened out of that i was really hoping for being able to see the time again perform all of you um and then there was some falling out after that too right
1: yeah it's kind of business as usual and um unfortunately because it's uh yeah it just didn't happen (laughs) unfortunately you know i mean everybody can't seem to be on the same page which is which is tragic to me because there, there's a lot of things we could have done you know with all of that over the years I and mean, sometimes there's too many individual agendas or somebody's trying to pull it too much in their favor it just doesn't work I and mean, it has to be it has to be there for everybody I mean, it's, unfortunately that doesn't seem to happen every time we get together so it's it's
0: How'd you feel about not being able to use the time name for the record?
1: I am upset about that. We, we, you know, uh, there were many conversations with Prince. I think Terry had the most of them. And, and at one point he's, he's totally fine with it. Uh, when he was doing the Las Vegas thing, the, the 3121 show, he seemed fine with this. And he said, yeah, do whatever you want to do. I'll help you out whatever you want to do it. A year two later, it didn't feel that way, right. And, you know, you, could, you get in, there could be this whole legal battle about, well, you go fight Prince about this. I mean, you know, probably, technically, maybe there's a legal case from what we understood because we've been using the name for years and we you know who owns the name. It's, you, just, you know, I think you get a lot of mixed feelings is somebody's helped us to put us, you know, you know, just, you just don't want to go through all that. audience. So he just said, "Well, oh, let's just change the name. It. That's how it's gonna be. So we did. Which I thought, which in the long run probably, you know, didn't help because I think mean, I heard a lot of people say, Who's the original seven? That's the time and you, know, you guys have a record out. So that you know, that record didn't do anything really near like the other records
0: have been. You know,
1: that's the way it was, I guess.
0: Yeah. Well, no, the family went through a similar kind of thing.
1: Yeah, they sure did.
0: Yeah. yeah it sense. was
1: too bad because, you know, we were, uh, you know, Prince has the right to do what he, what he wants to do, but, we, you know, we are we offering him money, we we're offering him a percentage of things and we we're trying to do a very business-like and we just didn't want to do it. So that's, it's his call and we but, you know, this band was never started as a real, a regular band, you know, it was, it was always a band, but not a band in a way. You know? that's, that's what uh, contributed to a lot of the complications over the years, because it wasn't like six or seven of us just got together and incorporated and went and got a deal and signed a deal with the label and, you know, it didn't come about as a normal band, like, well, it came backwards and even though it became very successful, it was just always things involved, or hurdles to get over and which you know it didn't help everybody any longer. It didn't help the band any longer. Yeah.
0: So you continue to work with Morris. Uh, how has he changed over the years?
1: Oh, I don't know. He's like everybody else. When we've gotten older, we've everybody's got a few aches and pains. And, Everybody's kind of settled down more and settled into their lives, and it seems you know, very happy. I'm uh, closer to him probably than I've ever been. Um, and it, it's everybody's doing well. We're really doing well with this version that's out. We just we go out have fun. We play the songs the best we can, and, and we, we just have fun with it. And it's just,
0: we should have fun. There's another. um, time record uh, a possibility.
1: I would doubt it. I I don't have any interest to be honest with you, but I mean I would never say never, but I don't have any interest in this. Not to say they couldn't go make a record, but I mean we'll see. But I, I you start to do it enough times where the same results happen and it's you think, well, maybe this isn't the thing to do anymore. So that's kind of where I'm at, but like I said, I, you know, I've learned to never, nace, never say never in life, but it doesn't feel like anything.
0: By that I mean,
1: or Original Seven,
0: that entity.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah that's, that's what I'm speaking for. Yeah. Um,
0: so, of course, Prince passed a couple of years ago, almost two years ago now, hard to believe. Uh, for, for us, it was like losing a member of the family I mean, we felt so close to him and he was so important in the lives of myself and my wife and actually my son was named after prince um so really big impact for us and knowing him like you did um how did that go down for you and uh, i heard you say it was a shock like it was to everybody else but how do you make sense of that at this point
1: i don't know if you can you know when people pass like that i i uh, it was shocking. Disbelief from all of us. I mean, it's like what? This this guy always seemed indestructible to us. He was just no matter what got hurled at him, and, and you, know, it, 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 you know he's a human being. We we all are, obviously, but it but he seemed so indestructible in so many ways. I mean, he was such a bold visionary. He had you know he was willing to do anything. You know. Um, and he could pull stuff off that nobody, you know, most people couldn't pull off. And he, just, he, just, he was a very brave guy in a lot of ways, And it was just shocking. I mean, it, it just feels like it shouldn't happen. It was like it wasn't supposed to put on it. And it didn't need to You know, it's like it you know, we had a lot of grief about it for a while, At one time. The world did, obviously. It showed up everywhere. Um, but, you know, you pick up and you move on, you know, we just, just all, I'm just grateful that I had the chance to know him and be around him and have some of his magic rub off, rub off from the rest of us and, and just to learn from him and, and I'm just grateful for the whole thing. I'm just grateful to him for many, many, many things
0: what's it like there, you know, being in Minneapolis, being so close to it with Paisley Park, what's going on there and the Super Bowl and they recognized him for that and the tributes and all that. I mean, what is the the vibe like being part of that community?
1: Um you know, in recent years, I think people really became to love and became a beloved figure in this, in this twin cities, you know, in the last I don't know how many years I mean. And rightly so. And uh, but I think the people who normally wouldn't pay attention were paying attention to mayors and the, the, you know and just the, the folks who were ne- weren't necessarily IR Prince fans, but they recognized what this guy has done and, and what he's accomplished in, li- in his life. And I think they really became appreciated. Which I think he got to see some of that in his life, which I think he probably really liked. But, once you pass, boy, you could really feel it miss this mean, And everybody, there's a hole in this town. Because there was always some, Prince was a guy who was going to keep it exciting. He was always coming out with some, something new, something you didn't expect. Or some event or something going on that just shook things up. I and mean, it could be controversial. It could be funny. It could be amazingly great. You just... He added a lot of
0: life.
1: He he, he, he always wanted to be bigger than life and he he really was bigger than life in so many ways.
0: What's I'm sorry. Oh, I said so you know What what's the music scene like there now, Mati? How would you describe it? Is it still uh you know really blossoming or what's it like there?
1: Oh yeah, you know, this Minneapolis has always had a really vibrant music scene going back to the 50s and 60s, you know, they were the trash men in the early days. They had a, you know, and, and uh, people passed through, you know, Dylan was here for a while, uh, Al Jarreau lived here for a while, the folk, the, the rock scene, Soul Asylum, House of there's so many, I mean, sometimes people think that he's Prince and that, that whole camp, but there's so much amazing music coming out of this town it has for years i mean internationally known guys and the jazz community here is really big i mean it's world-class jazz players here it's it's, there's a lot here for for music and it still is and the hip-hop thing has gotten i think bigger you know dune tree and those gessa and people like that there's a bunch of people i don't even know of i'm sure because i'm not Maybe it's informed about that scene as I could be, but uh, the hip hop things become really big here. Um, and yeah, it's still thriving, for, for sure.
0: That's well, good to hear. I, hear. I heard great things about the city. I've actually only been there for um, a day. I was, I'm getting feedback again, I don't know if you hear that, but um, I flew in for a day on a business trip and from the airport, to the location, uh, which was outside Minneapolis. I had a driver and I told him, you got to drive me by first Avenue. Uh, I got to see it. And so we pulled up there. I hopped out of the car, took pictures of myself with first Avenue in the background. It was a thrill for me. And then they wondered, you know, why I was an hour late. To my, <laughs> my um, but I, I didn't tell him why, but, uh, you know, I just can't miss it, and I look forward to going back there very soon, I hope. But um, yeah, I, I just hear terrific things about the city in general, not just the music. So.
1: Yeah, it's a great city to book. I, I lived here all my life. I've, never moved up. I've got friends and family here. It's a great place to raise a family. I guess with the music it seems, they have live music everywhere. You know, all the time, guys playing original stuff. Guys, you know, you don't find that so much you know, in like, a or some other places. You gotta pay to play, all man. That's crazy. Still, still, guys playing all over
0: the place. Well, the show is called Truth and Rhythm, and I like to ask the guest for them. You know, how do they find? How do you find, Monty, truth in the rhythm, truth in the music that you play? What does that mean to you? Hmm.
1: I I think the the truth for me is just doing things that feel true to myself. And I think that writing songs and um, writing something usually that's true to me and and that speaks to me, because I figure if it speaks to me somehow or maybe it'll speak to somebody else, if if it's something that's got me emotionally charged and that's the hard word that maybe it'll affect somebody else that way. And sometimes that's true, something is not true. And it's, um, and, and I, I think for all of us musicians, you're just striving to whatever type of music we're playing. We're, we're just trying to be true to the music, really. And, 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 and uh, In a way that speaks through us. That would be how I would answer that.
0: Hmm. Very good. So how can uh, viewers keep up with what you're up to or maybe find out when the time's going to play in their town?
1: I'm on Facebook, and I have a website, montemori.net. So you can have my latest news and tour dates and things like that and projects I'm working on. um
0: yeah, best place to find me. Are you working on anything that we should know about or just
1: Yeah, I've been I've been working on a slowly but surely another record of my own. I put one out about 15 years ago, something like that, but I'm working on another one. And but even more front and center, I've been doing some music uh, for a movie called Blues Man with my buddy Dan Schmander uh it's actually a really good movie and a really good script and we've got some great actors involved and um we're, we're doing a number of songs for that hopefully that'll uh show up in the future
0: so that might come out this year later this year
1: probably not this year but maybe, perhaps next year nice. hoping to film uh, this summer as movie goes you have but yeah. but uh that's a little different beast from the record world, but um, yeah, the idea is hopefully done.
0: And I got to ask, I've been staring at it since we've been talking, and you didn't uh, mention earlier, but the record award behind you what record is that for?
1: Um, i figure out which one you can see.
0: It's, it's your right shoulder above the keyboards.
1: Uh, there's Janet Jackson, there's a ah. there's a Oh, there's a control record and then best, best, of, best nice. organic. yeah
0: So that's where the magic happens for, for Monty Moyer?
1: Yeah, this is where I there is my studio, my home studio. Very
0: okay, cool. Yeah. Well, hey, it's been a blast. I, I thank you so much. I know we went a little over and it's much appreciated. Uh, spending time with the great Monty Moyer from the Time and All those other uh, fantastic records from the 80s and, and 90s and still a part of the touring time. Thank you, Monty.
1: Thank you, Scott. Appreciate it.